So we've been looking through Galatians in our evening service, uh, and I'm going to just look at one uh, verse in Galatians chapter 1 this morning, uh, and then the rest of chapter 1 uh, this evening. If you've not been here uh, in the evenings, where have you been? Like, it's, it's amazing, you should come. Uh, but uh, but uh, you can come in here the next part of uh, Galatians chapter 1 tonight, but uh, chapter 1 and verse 10 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. So let me read you Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, where Paul says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is God's word. And I've called this uh, sermon, Whose Approval Matters Most? Whose Approval Matters Most? But before we answer that question, which hopefully we'll answer at the end, uh, I've got another question to begin with. Uh, What do you fear most? Because actually that question is linked to the question, whose approval matters most? Uh, According to research Uh, People in the UK, uh, over 80% of us have a phobia of some kind. And the most common phobias in the UK are fears of heights, uh, fears of public speaking, obviously that's not my my phobia, Uh, fears of snakes, fears of spiders, uh, fears of flying, Uh, the dark, rodents, crowds, enclosed spaces, And then, 12% of people have a fear of clowns. It's called uh, cholerophobia. And 12% of people in our country, which means, you know, there's probably someone in here this morning who will never admit it because we'll see that they fear people, uh, that they are scared of clowns. Amazing, isn't it, that someone would be scared of something that is so fun. But today we're going to talk about a different kind of fear, a fear that in some form or another, every single one of us shares. And that is the fear of other people. People pleasing or fearing others is one of the biggest fears that humanity has, and it hinders our lives in so many ways. As Christians, the fear of people Uh, leads us to disobey God, and it even corrupts our motives in ministry, doesn't it? When we can uh, do Christian activity and do it really well, but do it for the purpose of gaining the praise of other people. Has that ever been the case with you? Well, this morning we're going to examine what the fear of humans is, why we do it, what the results are, And then we're going to think about what is fearing God, and we're going to see that the answer to the question of whose approval matters most is, of course, God's approval, the fear of God. Now, in our evening services, as I've said, we've been going through the book of Galatians, and Paul is writing to a a group of churches in this region of Galatia that are deserting the gospel of Jesus Christ for a different gospel, which he says is no gospel at all. 
False teachers had come into the churches and were preaching a false gospel. They were saying, well, if you really want to be a Christian, you have to undergo some of the Old Testament Jewish law, especially, they were saying, to be circumcised. If you were not circumcised, if you were not following the Old Testament law, then you were not really a Christian. And that was a different message, a different gospel to what Paul the Apostle was preaching. Paul says that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. That's the gospel that Paul preached. Not by works, not by the law, by grace. And these false teachers came in, preached a different gospel, and they attacked Paul. So they distorted his message, and then they disparaged the messenger. And in disparaging Paul, they question his apostleship, whether he he really is a true apostle of Jesus. Has Jesus really sent this man? And we're going to look more closely this evening and in weeks to come uh, at Paul's defense against that charge of not being a real apostle. But one of the accusations that they level against Paul is what we're going to look at this morning. They accuse Paul of this. Paul, you're peddling an easy gospel. A gospel where you're saying it's by grace and you've got to do nothing because you just want to please people. You just want to make people happy with you, Paul. So so you're not really preaching the true gospel because you know, Paul, if you preach the true gospel, people are not going to like you very much. And in verse 10, Paul deals with this accusation of him being a people pleaser. And his response to this accusation is one we're going to think through this morning. Paul's going to show that the approval that matters most to him was the approval of God. And I want you to think this morning, every one of us here, whose approval matters most to you? And it's a vitally important question. Because what we believe that we need controls us. If we need the approval of human beings, then those human beings, those other people, will control your life. But if we recognize that my greatest need is God, then we're going to be controlled by him. And so first of all, let's look at the first part of this question. Paul says, am I trying to win the approval of human beings? That's the first point of this verse. Uh, Paul asked the question at the beginning of verse 10, if you'll notice. But notice again in the middle of the verse, he says, or am I trying to please people? He asked the question twice. But first of all, I want us to think, what what does Paul not mean when he talks about pleasing people? What what does he not mean? So he doesn't mean uh, being kind to people. Uh, looking out for their needs. So for example, uh, as a married man, I I should want to please my spouse. Uh, I should want to serve her and help her. Now I can have wrong motives for that, but I should want to please her, right? Uh, The Bible commands us to to be kind uh, and to be generous and, and to serve one another. That's not wrong. We're supposed to want to please people in that regard. Uh, Secondly, Paul's not talking uh, about pleasing your boss or 
uh, young people, your parents, you can't get out of this and say, well, I'm not going to obey you today because Steve said I can't be a people pleaser. That's not going to wash. Paul's not saying don't please your boss at work, your parents at home, your teachers at school through obedience. If you want to get a job, you should go into the interview seeking to impress the person that you are being interviewed by. It would be weird, wouldn't it, if you go into the interview and say, well, um, I'm, I'm rubbish, really. Uh, the Bible says that I'm a worm, and that's, obviously that's not what Paul means. If you are in your workplace and in your school, you should, as far as is sensible and morally acceptable, seek to work in such a way that your boss or teacher is pleased with your work. The Bible tells us to work hard, to obey, and, and so on. That's not what Paul means. And Paul also doesn't mean, uh, 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 he's not talking about being winsome for the gospel. In fact, Paul the Apostle says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. So in other words, Paul's saying, I seek for the sake of the gospel to win people over by uh, pleasing them in certain ways. In other words, accommodating to their culture and so on in order to win them to Christ. Now, there's a limit to, to how far we go with that, of course. But the point he's making here is we're not supposed to, to be uh, objectionable because we're not trying to please people. Uh, in fact, I remember in, in Sunday school when I was a child, my, my Sunday school teacher was telling me the story of, of Hudson Taylor when he went to China, and he was an example of a man who adopted Chinese dress and Chinese food and so on in order to win their trust so that he could win them to Christ. That's what Paul's talking of here. And Paul is not talking in, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, of that kind of people-pleasing. So what does Paul mean here by the approval of human beings? Well, one writer explains it like this. It includes being afraid of someone, but it extends to holding someone in awe, being controlled or mastered by people, worshipping other people, putting your trust in other people, or needing people. And when we fear people in that kind of a way and are thus controlled by them, then it leads us to sin, both sins of commission, actively doing something, and sins of omission, where we don't do what we should. So, for example, a fear of people can make us lie in order for them to like us. We might exaggerate how great we are at something in order to impress them so that they'll approve of us. Another prime example is that we don't share the gospel with someone because we fear if I share the gospel with this person, they will ridicule me or reject me. An example of this is found actually in John's gospel. Uh, many religious leaders believed in Jesus, but they would not acknowledge it because 
Look at what happened. At the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of, because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. You see, they were scared of what would happen if they acknowledged their belief in Jesus. So why do we fear people? Well, the writer Ed Welsh, who I've just uh, quoted a moment ago, gives three reasons. First of all, we are fearful of being exposed or humiliated. We fear that someone may know our sin and our shame. And so we fear that they will expose that. Uh, An example of this is in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve hid themselves from each other because they realized that they were naked. They were ashamed and they feared one another's gaze and their realization of nakedness was a realization of their sin. Adam and Eve were worried about what the other would think of them. And this kind of fear stops us having deep and true friendships with people, the kind of friends that the Bible calls us to have. The kind of friends that will call us out on our sin and help us in our fight for holiness. But the fear of being exposed and our sin coming to the fore stops this and so we keep on sinning in secret, hoping it will never come out. This kind of fear as well stops us at times being, for example, hospitable. Because, well, if people come to my house, they're going to see the mess. And so, and so I cannot possibly help people by having them come in because my mess is exposed. People might see that I lack money or they might see the behavior of my children if they come in my house. They'll realize that I'm not the perfect parent that I present. And so we don't have people over. The fear of, of man can be because we're scared of being exposed or humiliated. Uh, Secondly, we are fearful of being rejected or ridiculed. We want to be loved. We want to be liked by other people. And the thought of someone not liking us can hold us back from living as God calls us to. Uh, An example in the Bible of this is King Saul. He was told by God to destroy the Amalekites and not leave anything alive. But King Saul took the best of the produce... And he kept alive King Agag. This disobeyed God's command, and God rejected Saul as king. But listen to what Saul said was the reason for what he did. He said, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. He was scared that they wouldn't want him as king anymore. He feared them. He didn't want to be rejected, and so he rejected God instead. Later on in Galatians, Paul uh, finds Peter guilty of this. Paul writes, for certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he, that's Peter, began to draw back and, and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. So Peter was afraid of being rejected or ridiculed by his friends And so he rejected fellowship with the Gentiles, not welcoming them into the church. And how often do we 
hide our faith in Jesus at school, in our families, in our workplaces, because we're terrified of of what they might think of us. We're terrified that they might ridicule us or reject us. How often will you do what God says not to do in order to uphold a reputation among people? And for some of us, we may well be rejected by our families if we follow Jesus. Some of us, if we're honest, would seriously rather die than have to face this. There are things harder for a Christian, certainly, than death, aren't there? Sometimes we would rather die for Jesus than have to live for Jesus, wouldn't we? We can be more concerned about looking stupid than acting sinfully. And then the third and final reason is we are fearful of being attacked or oppressed. Sometimes we may be forced to choose between Jesus and our job. Sometimes you may be put in a place where you may even be physically or verbally abused because you follow Jesus. Don't many of our brothers and sisters around the world have to face this reality day by day? They may have to face torture and death because they follow Jesus Christ. Uh, Abraham in the Bible is an example of uh, someone who disobeyed God for fear of being attacked. In Genesis 12, he lied about Sarah, his wife. He said that she was his sister because he was frightened that the Pharaoh would kill him for his wife. That was also probably part of the reason that Peter denied Jesus three times, fearful of being attacked or oppressed. And as as Christians today, as in every age, we have to be willing to be unpopular and to come under attack for the cause of Christ. As a church, we need to be prepared for that, that our culture will not like us. And may God deliver us from holding back on the truths of God's word for fear of offending people. In fact, I would pray Pray for the the ministry of the word from our church in all of its forms, on the Sunday with the young people and so on, that we would not hold back from the truth for fear of upsetting people. But what about you as an individual? I want you to think for a moment, what is it that causes you to seek to win the approval of human beings over God? What is it that causes you to to win the approval of human beings over God? Well, Paul was accused of trying to win the approval of human beings. Was he? Not at all. Notice in verse 10 how Paul uses the word now. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of men? Well, the word now is linked to verses 8 and 9. And in these verses, Paul has just called down divine curses on his enemies. If he was a people pleaser, he would, not have, he would have shied away from that. He would not have told them effectively, you false teachers are going to hell. Paul's attack on these false teachers would cause them 
to dig into his past and expose his sins, which they did. It would cause them to ridicule him and reject him and face cultural rejection, which Paul did face. And it would cause Paul to face being attacked and oppressed, which he was, wasn't he? If you, if you read the Acts of the Apostles, Paul was thrown in prison, he was beaten up, he was all the, all the time. Paul was not a people pleaser. This accusation that they threw at him cannot stick. Notice later on in the verse, he says, if I were still trying to please people, Paul perhaps uh, used to be a people pleaser. He was a Pharisee, and the Pharisees we read in John's Gospel did love to please people. Paul perhaps used to be controlled by others and their thoughts of his reputation as a high-ranking Pharisee. But now he follows Jesus. He is no longer interested in the approval of others. Paul is interested in the, in the approval of God. And so that leads us on to our second point. Am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? God's approval is what matters most. Now, we know this, don't we? If I, I mean, in fact, it, it could be a, a, really, a really short sermon, couldn't it? The answer to the question is God. Of course it is. But let's think about this for a moment. As with the fear of humans, first of all, let's, let's say what Paul does not mean when he talks about the, the approval of God. When Paul speaks of the approval of God, he does not mean earning God's favor. Hear that clearly. He does not mean earning God's favor. God is pleased with us as Christians because he's pleased with Jesus. Jesus has done the work for us to be saved by dying in our place on the cross and rising from the dead. We don't work for our salvation. God has done it all. So that's not what he means. All right? Make that clear. We don't earn our salvation. It's by grace. Neither, by the way, does, does Paul mean that in, because we don't want to seek the approval of human beings and we do want to seek the approval of God, that we somehow need to be purposefully objectionable to people. There is no virtue in, in being overtly displeasing to people. I remember one time having a, a chat with a guy that would go out street preaching and he, he, as he talked to me, I realized his sole aim seemed to be not to win people over to the gospel, but just to shout at them and wind them up. And, he would do, and he'd do a really good job at it. He would wind people up something chronic. They would come and abuse him. And then he'd come and say, see, I'm being persecuted for Christ. Now, of course, sometimes when you're preaching the truth, you will get abused. But make sure it's for preaching the truth of the gospel, the good news, not just to, not just to be... I was going to use a word that probably wasn't very polite. Displeasing. <laughs> Don't be that kind of a person. Be winsome for Christ. That's not what Paul's talking about, about here, you see. What Paul is talking about here is basically fearing God. If you look again at the definition of a people pleaser from earlier and replace people with God, you get the idea of what Paul means. So look at what I'm talking about. It includes being afraid of God. But it extends to holding God in awe, being controlled or mastered by God, worshipping God, putting your trust in God or needing God. 
This means that we obey God rather than human beings. It means that we hold of higher value what God says is good above what anybody else says is good. Now, I think it's easy to understand why we should hold God's approval higher than human beings. The question I want to answer on this point is, how do we do that? And here is the answer. The answer to how we grow in our fear of the Lord is that we grow in the fear of the Lord when we know the Lord who is to be feared. Let me repeat that. We grow in the fear of the Lord as we know the Lord who is to be feared. Know him. We must every day understand who is this God. Because when you understand who this God is, and then you compare him with other people, there is no comparison, is there? So we must understand and know that God is our creator. God made the whole universe. He upholds the whole universe by the word of his power. Look around you at the creation of our God. He made all of this. Uh, in the summer, we had the joy of going to see Niagara Falls. And we, you see the falls and the power of the falls, and it is a, a, wow, it's a wow moment. It's amazing. And as Christians, we, we look at these things, and it causes us to wow at the God who made these. We look at small, tiny things like look, look, just the, the human hand or a leaf. And think, wow, God made these things. And we think as well how God is our creator in the sense that he made us as individuals. Each one with our own fingerprint, God made you. And as our creator, we are made by him to live for him. And so it's our ultimate good and our joy to obey and follow our maker. We're going with the grain of how we're made. We must know God as our maker, our creator. Secondly, we must know God as our judge. Uh, Jesus speaks powerfully of this in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. He says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. One day, every one of us in this room is going to stand before God. And let me tell you this, no human being who you are trying to please will judge you on that day. You will come face to face with Jesus, the coming King, who is the only judge that counts. Uh, one writer says, those people who control you are harmless kittens when compared to the Lion of Judah. And it's the Lion of Judah who we all have to stand before one day. Remember, he is our judge. But thirdly, remember too, he is our redeemer. God loves us so much, he has saved us from our sins and has given us eternal life because of his amazing grace. He's our redeemer. He has died for you. He has loved you so much that he's paid for your sin. How can you not want to please him 
when he has done all of this for you. Nobody else has died for your sin. Jesus Christ has died for your sin. So know God as your creator, as your judge, as your redeemer. And be reminded of the fact that that relationship with him is our biggest need. Our biggest need is not met by the approval of others. It's met by a relationship with Jesus. Our biggest need is met when we're communing with him, when we're delighting in him, when we're living for him as he designed us to do. And brothers and sisters, we need to preach that to ourselves day by day by day. If we want to be God-fearers and not people-pleasers, we need to know God and know our need of relationship with him. And so let me encourage you, rather than start your day by scrolling on Twitter and finding the sayings of mere men or whatever other social media platform you may use, because you know, research has shown the most common thing people do at the beginning of each day is look on what other people have said, often about them on their social media feed. So you start your day with that. How how on earth, if you start your day with people, are you going to expect not to fear them? Instead, put it away, start your day with God. Look at him. Remind yourself of who he is and what he has done for you. And then remind yourself of that throughout the day. Let me encourage you to pray. Let me encourage you to sing. Sing on your own. Sing together. Listen to music that encourages you and and points you to the greatness of our God. Spend time with other Christians who also want to fear God and want to point you to God. Be at church. We're never going to win over our fear of people when we never spend time with the God whom we must fear. And Paul the Apostle is such a wonderful example of a man who feared God, isn't he? He obeyed Christ when others attacked him. He knew who God was and he shared God with others. Let's be ones who fear God. And in in verse 10, uh, at the end of that verse, Paul leaves us though with a sobering warning. He says, you can't serve two masters. Notice that at the end of verse 10. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. The word here for servant is the Greek word doulos, which means slave. Now the message of Galatians, we'll see, is that we are no longer slaves, but that means we're no longer slaves to the forces of this world, including other people. Rather, we have a new master now, Jesus Christ, a master who is good and gracious and loving and faithful. And every one of us is either a slave to something in this world or a slave to Christ. You are one or you are the other. You cannot, Paul says, be both. And so you can't be a slave of both human beings and Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, you've got to make a choice every day. Am I going to please Jesus or am I going to please these people? Because daily the crunch will come where you have to make a decision. Who am I going to serve? Now you might not purposely ask yourself that question, but it comes up every day when someone comes to you and they'll say, come on, do this. 
come on. Uh, or they might ask you, what, what do you think about that? And you, you, you know you want to tell them the truth, but you lie. You know you shouldn't do it, but you do it, and so on and so forth. You face the choice daily, don't you? You cannot serve both. Jesus says the same thing, by the way, in the Sermon on the Mount about money. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And money's an example here. You can replace it with man. You cannot serve both. If you're going to gain the approval of man, you're going to despise Christ. And brothers and sisters, people are a bad master. It is, it is exhausting, isn't it? Isn't it exhausting trying every day to gain the approval of others? Do you know how many mental health issues we have in our nation at the moment simply because people are terrified of not being liked on Instagram? Suicides have shot up big time because people are terrified of not being approved by other people. They, other people are a, a terrible master. They are exhausting. You never really know if they are pleased with you. But brothers and sisters, here's, here's, here's the gospel for you. Here is good news. God is pleased with you always because of Jesus. Think for a moment. Why do we fear other people? They expose us. Jesus has died for the sin that exposes us and he's clothed us in his righteousness. Isn't that good news? You don't need to feel shame anymore because he's died for your sin. If people throw your sin at you and say, look what you've done, you could say, yes, I have done that, but Jesus Christ has died for my sin. So it doesn't matter that it's been exposed because it's been placed on him. We fear people because they reject us. They may reject you, but there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are always part of his family because he's died for your sin. It doesn't matter if you're rejected by others. As much as it may hurt, you are always part of the family of faith. Isn't it good to be part of the Christian family of faith in this church here in Pelsall? It's wonderful, isn't it, to be part of a family here. And we're accepted not because of anything we've done, you haven't got to fill in a form to say how great you are to be a member of our church. You have to believe that Jesus has died for your sins and risen from the dead. And we fear God because they may attack us. But no attack of any man can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that what Paul says? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The worst that can happen is you go to heaven, right? <laughs> That's the gospel. Why exhaust your life trying to please others when God is there saying, if you believe in Jesus, I'm pleased with you already because I'm pleased with him. No wonder Paul writes in chapter 1 verse 6 that he's astonished that the Galatians were deserting the gospel for another gospel that's no gospel at all. And how astonishing it is that we would desert the God who accepts us and welcomes us and loves us to go after a false gospel of, well, if, if they'll just like me, I'll be okay. Astonishing. 
Let's be freed, brothers and sisters, from trying to win the approval of men and live as a person whom God is already pleased with. I just feel like saying, let's, let's just pack it in and follow Jesus. And here's, as we close, just a final benefit to this. One of the reasons we please people is often because we feel like we, in order to love them, uh, I, need to, I need to please them. But did you know the greatest way that you can love anybody is by loving God? You love them most by loving God. You serve them best when you serve Jesus. You don't do it for their approval, but for God's approval, and that is always for their good. Sometimes that will involve upsetting them, but we love others by loving God. And so I want to issue you with a challenge this week. Let me encourage you to boldly speak to someone about Jesus because that's the most loving thing you can do for them. It's what God wants from us, to share Christ. Let's not fear their rejection or their ridicule or their attack. Or let's not fear them turning around and saying, yeah, but I know you've done this. Let's just say, I want to tell you about Jesus. That's the most loving thing you can do. Well, we're going to close uh, just with a song uh, of commitment to Jesus. Uh, a song which says, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. This is, this is a song that is a prayer. So let's sing it as a prayer that God would work this into our heart. After we've sung this song, uh, I'm going to, uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to just think for a moment of how we can apply this sermon uh, to our lives with some questions on the board. Uh, then I'm going to pray and then we're going to uh, sing and focus on our great God at the end. So let's stand first of all and sing, Take My Life and Let It Be.
take uh, your seats and let's just have um, just a moment of reflection. A few questions upon the screen there, so I'll give us a couple of minutes just to think through those. Uh, and then after a couple of minutes of quiet, uh, I'll pray before we sing to close. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess our sin to you this morning. We have feared other people instead of you. And this iniquity has led us into other sins and robbed us of the freedom we have in following you. So we look to you, our God, as our great Lord and our Father. And as we consider you and your ways, we realize how foolish we have been. But as we gaze upon you, we also see the place of forgiveness because you've sent Jesus, the one who is well-pleasing to you always to die in our place for our sins. And so we pray this week for Holy Spirit help to live lives in fear of you and not anyone or anything else. For Lord, in that we know there is true freedom to live as we're made to live. Grant us, O Lord, a clearer vision of who you are, of your greatness, of your majesty, of your holiness, of your love, of your faithfulness, that we would fear you alone. We ask that as a church we would together point one another to Jesus, not fearing one another but helping one another to live, and fear, live for and fear you. And we ask all of these things, Lord, for the glory of your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our final song uh, is really helpful because it calls us uh, to look and behold the God who is so awesome uh, that everyone else, in comparison to him, are just nothing. Let's stand, let's worship God by singing together, Behold Our God. Let's do that now. <laughs>
that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Amen. See the King of Love. See the purple robe and crown of thorns he wears. Soldiers mock, rulers sneer as he lifts the cruel cross. Lone and friendless now, he climbs towards the hill. We worship at your feet. 